Ella Mason and her 11 cats. Old Ella Mason keeps cats, 11 at last count, in her ramshackle house of Somerset Terrace. People make queries on seeing our neighbor's cat hunt, saying something's addled in a woman who accommodates that many cats. Rum and red-faced as a watermelon, her voice long gone to wheeze and seed, Ella Mason, for no good reason, plays hostess to tabby, torn, and increase, with cream and chicken gut feasting the palates of finical cats. Sylvia Plath. episode of beyond the spark the podcast i am still your host my name's raya carmen everybody calls me raya sunshine and i am so excited today to be sitting with a friend and somebody who is absolutely amazing in my eyes and hopefully one day i can be like her i want to be like her one day and so i want to tell you a little bit about this wonderful woman erin elizabeth smith is the creative director at the sundress academy for the arts and the managing editor of sundress publications and the wardrobe she is the author of two full-length collections and the editor of two anthologies political punch Contemporary Poems on the Politics of Identity and Not Somewhere Else But Here, Contemporary Poems on Women and Place. Her poems have appeared in numerous journals, including Mid-American, Crab Orchard Review, Samarin Review, and Willow Springs, among, among others. She holds a PhD in creative writing from the Center for Writers at the University of Southern Mississippi and teaches in the English department of my alma mater, University of Tennessee, where she is also the Jack E. Reese writer in the library. Erin Elizabeth Smith is the inaugural Poet Laureate of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So I know you want to hear from her today, everybody. Let's say welcome to Erin Elizabeth Smith. Hey, beautiful. Hello. I do want to say a quick note. I'm a former Jackie Reese writer in the library, just so the library doesn't come after me in some sort of, uh, I'm not sure what that would look like. I'm imagining dueling card catalogs or other such. uh... (laughs) I love it. I love it. What is a Jackie Reese writer in the library? The writer in the library position uh, was... I'm not sure how long it went on for. I want to say about 20 years. Um, and it was basically uh, a, a writer that was kind of like 
there in order to host readings for the reading series at UTK, uh, to welcome writers, to introduce writers, um, and to promote writing in general uh, in the library system. So we did some workshops. Uh, we started a kind of blog series. There was interviews with our uh, readers and uh, just kind of as a way to kind of uh, accentuate the, that reading experience outside of simply being available there. We also, I think, uh, we started simulcasting the uh, readings as well as recording them for wow. posterity. Man, I want to be a Jackie Reese writer in the library. That's awesome. Tell them to bring it back. So, so, it so back. now they do that through um, just, I guess, the writer series that um, they do. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So the a lot of these sort a lot of the sort of things is just run through the English department now, which is great. And we have a wonder uh, wonderful folks who are running that, um, and a lot of people who are doing a lot of uh, heavy lifting behind the scenes. All right, awesome. Well, I, I didn't mean for that to no. be the start of our interview, but hey, you know, I was interested. I wanted to know. All right. So, um, man, I love getting to uh, do this because so often writers and, and teachers and everything, everybody forgets that, you know, there's just humanity here, right? And uh, so this, we get to talk about life and, and humanity as well as how poetry and all that stuff starts to play into it and, and has had its role. Um, how did you start writing? And, and really, what's your first memory of when you were writing poetry? Um, well, in terms of writing, writing, before poetry, uh, I was definitely, I was one of those kids, like, uh, you know, working on her novel when she's nine sort of iterations, like getting all of her friends to illustrate it. And um, yeah, I remember like in um, in second grade, uh, my mom forgot to dress me up for career day. And so I just told everyone I was a writer. Um, and so that's kind of, that I like to think of that as part of my origin story. <laughs> Uh, and uh but no i mean i i started writing poetry in earnest um you know in middle school high school i had lots of feelings um lots of uh lots of sad feelings um and in general it was a you know it was a way um you know as as you know i think for many people um you know as as a way to kind of uh feel seen in the world and to to kind of give voice um to all those kind of tumultuous hormonal sorts of iterations of things um and yeah it was uh and then in in high school it really kind of began in earnest i started uh back in the day i was uh doing aol poetry slams and chat rooms uh where you literally like type a line of a poem into a chat like line by line um it was very strange <laughs> in retrospect but that was uh that was kind of my first like online poetry community and that led me to um you know a lot of different writers from around the country and uh then led me to um start uh stirring which is um was the journal that i started back in 1999 okay okay so back in 1999 you were starting journals i love that that's beautiful was that like at your high school? Or I was a recent, recent, I, well, I was a recent college dropout. So, 
<laughs> Says the professor. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, we, I had uh, I had I left college after my first year and um, spent a year living illicitly in my boyfriend's dorm room uh, at an Ivy League school. Uh, and it was 1999. We were all going to get rich from the internet. So I was like, let's do poetry. And at that point in time, it seemed logical. I mean, now I I, I look back and laugh uh, because you know, not exactly poetry, not exactly the the most lucrative of businesses <laughs> but uh but yeah it, well yeah. for some for yeah, some it is it you know for some. it can be so right. yeah. um yeah so that was uh so yeah kind of this whole internet sort of elements that led me to you know these internet communities that led me to doing online publishing and then all the online publishing that led me to real world communities so yeah i absolutely love it so um you talked a lot about like community and how poetry helps you build, find, and then extend your community. Um, why do you think poetry is such a good medium um, for creating that type of community? That's a great question. Um, I think, you know, part of it is you know, poetry as a whole is, is, is a vulnerable art. Um, you know, it doesn't have, you know, your work doesn't have to be confessional, but it's, it's pulling something from you. Um, and it's something that is meant to be, you know, shared audibly, you know, in a way that as maybe fiction isn't necessarily in that same capacity, even in the writing sense. And I think, um, you know, uh, some of some of my friends who are in a local workshop with me, we were just talking the other day about how um, how much we've missed our workshops since COVID because we haven't really kind of recoalesced yet. Um, and how so much of the time it was, you know, half of it was therapy. Like it was like, I really like this line about this thing. However, I think there's some red flags in your new relationship. <laughs> Um, so not totally unrelated to the speaker and what the speaker's doing, but, um, but I think that there is a sense that we really get to like know who, like, you know, we really share ourselves in a way with poetry and I think more so, and maybe not more so, but at, like certainly in a different way than we do with other art and in a way that I feel like, um, you know, uh, being able to have a, a safe space to share those ideas and and hone them and having good audiences uh, to uh, to make that work better and to make that work, um, you know, uh, more, tr you know, even more true to what it is the intentions are. I think having that space where you trust people and that level of vulnerability is, is important. And I think poetry is a great space for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you man you said so much so fast <laughs> like i i love i love these moments just because i i get so here's these little nuggets of 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 beauty but we also get a little you know introspection into your life right so you said you dropped out of college <laughs> and you were living with this boyfriend okay so everybody know audience listen there there is no pathway that won't get you to greatness because if if we look at Aaron I'm sure back then somebody was like well, she is not going to ever be anything and now she's like everything so um yeah I just wanted to throw that little nugget of of encouragement out to the people that are listening and are like struggling you know I think all the time like I have students and they struggle sometimes they just struggle so much 
And they think that that moment of struggle has to be the end. And it doesn't like it's just a part of that story. And that's, you know, what I always try to get them to see. Um, and I, I just I love that you shared that part of your story. Like, you know, there was a moment where I just was like, I give up. <laughs> and for You obviously went back because, you know, <laughs> you're you're somebody's teacher now. So that's awesome. Um, uh, what kind of books do you read? What kind of writers? Oh, goodness. Um, uh, you know, I spend a lot of my, um, a lot of my time, you know, teaching writing. So, uh, a lot of it is kind of like reading towards the classroom in a lot of ways. So obviously I read tons and tons of contemporary poetry. Um, and like, you know, whether that's reading manuscripts for sundress, um, which is, you know, I'll, I'll read probably about a hundred of those a year. Um, and then, um, whether that's, um, uh, you know, reading contemporary books or books for reviews or books for uh, the wardrobe series that we do. Um, it's a pretty wide range. Um, I mean, I like some of the books that I have loved uh, recently or some of the writers I've loved recently. Um, uh, Ocean Vuong. Um, uh, let's see. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, no, I'm looking at my like giant bookcase back here being like, I can't remember a single book title. Um, obviously, some of the Sundress books that we've been working on uh, have been uh, absolutely amazing. Um, uh, Barbara Fant's book and J.C.B. Crawford's book uh, are two of my favorites that I have had the uh, joy of working with recently. If you haven't checked out either of those writers, their debut, uh, well, J uh, Jason's the debut full-length collection and Barbara's uh, her second book and um, they're both fantastic um, that's uh, I've been reading a lot of chat books in preparation for uh, a chat book class that I'm teaching this fall um, so reading I uh, read Gesundheit uh, by uh, um, Chen Chen and Sam Vine and um, goodness uh Danielle Spratley, uh, just a wide range of folks. Now I'm like, suddenly like you ask names and I'm like, ah, too many. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the work that I've been doing is kind of been thinking about um, like structures of books and thinking about kind of prepping to think about how to talk to students who will be, you know, putting together that first little, little book. I mean, for the first time and thinking about like how we write uh, towards projects, how we create projects, um, how we think about uh, narratives within books. Books. And I think, you know, there are so many amazing folks who are uh, doing that work. Um, and yeah, I'm looking at my list. I've got uh, Jordan Franklin on for the fall. Um, so uh, Zephyr Lazowski, uh, a lot of lot of great contemporary writers who are, you know, these are for first, second, third chat books, um, but still very like early career writers. I like I like that you are reading the contemporary. I think so often. Um, when people think about poetry, they think about the older poets and the ones that, they, you know, everybody always calls on and don't understand that there's a wealth of poetry out there that's being written and, 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 um, and published with contemporary poets. Um, my librarian, he always brings me poetry books, and I, I love him for that. But the last one he brought me was actually very interesting, and I don't know if you've had a chance to read it. It's uh, Jason Reynolds' new um, book. Let me see if I can't find the name of it. Um, it's Jason Reynolds, and he's the author of Long Way Down. I don't know if you had a chance to read that. I have not yet. Um, so 
he does he he did this this book long way down it's just a continuous poem but it tells it a, a beautiful story um of of a young man in the elevator and I'm, that's all i'm going to tell you um, <laughs> so that you can go and look for it um so i literally just googled it as we were talking i'm like we're saving this for later <laughs> uh yeah and of course he's also you know the one who did miles morales um but this new book where is it oh my goodness Ain't, ain't burned all the bright. It is one poem. And, and the book is an inch and a half thick. He, he has maybe a few words on every page, just like maybe two or three words um, or a full line of the poem. And it's just one poem. Um, absolutely amazing read of course you can read through the whole book in 30 minutes um but it is so awesome he worked with a, a, an artist and so the art goes with the words that are on the page so as each line is moving you also get to see this beautiful art um going along with it so uh yeah, when you started talking about just the structure and the contemporary poets and how they're structuring books, I was like, oh, let me tell you about this one because that will be a great one um, to get young poets to realize it doesn't have to be what it's always been. You can, you know, push the boundary. That's the beauty about poetry. I love being able to push the boundary. I love that one. I love like something that has all that white space and forces you to kind of sit with something for a little while and like really like kind yeah. of pay attention to that language in a way that I think sometimes we can we can lean into skimming, um, especially when we're trying to get through something in the way that that forces you to slow down. I love that. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, so uh said all of that to say all of the poets that you have worked with read um studied if you could collaborate with anybody not necessarily a writer but if you could collaborate with anybody dead or alive who would it be and why this is a question I ask on every episode, so this is always an interesting. Yeah, one. that's a great question. Um, I think right now, with thinking about my own, um, where my own excitement is in terms of both language, but also like the natural world, um, I'm a huge fan um, of Alexis Nicole, uh, aka Black Forager. She's on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, I'm really big into foraging right now, and that's and have been for the last couple of years. And like watching her excitement over like sharing knowledge and like cooking and foraging and like thinking about uh the natural world and the ways in which that's tied with history and the ways in which that's tied with um you know uh, joy i think like so much of that like i every time like something pops into my feed it's like it's my fate it's like okay i'm gonna save this i'm gonna watch it again and i i, I learned so much and i think there's something about um like that sort of deep investment in in a particular thing that I love like I think you know I I you know I find like you know being in academia and being in publishing and also being a writer like I get surrounded by all that stuff all the time and what do you you know what do you write about at the end of the day like 
writing about writing. Like I'm trying, I, you know, try so hard not to become that sort of almost, uh, what, what can be borderline masturbatory, I suppose, in this notion of like how writers think about other writers. And I think like thinking about some, having something that is a step outside as a way to inform the way we think about things. So for me, you know, being in the woods is is me being off a screen. It's me being connected to the natural world. It's me learning. It's me being able to indulge in curiosity. Um, and it's it's me also getting to have the opportunity to educate and have conversations with other people who are new to it as well, as well as engaging in like a different community that has like different ways of thinking about things. And I really dig that. So, um, so I've been like in the last, especially since COVID, like so much of like what I, what I'm excited about is, is writing, but it's also about trying to see the world through a different lens and trying to figure out who I am post post in middle of wherever we are in this iteration because I, I think we so many of us have not really talked about like or haven't grappled with or had time to grapple with like how we are changed um and so giving myself space to do that and to create and to do it in new ways that isn't tied to work or um labor or anything outside of me like this is a thing i get to do um i think that that's that's really important and it's something that i'm i'm you know i find a lot of joy in cool and what's her name again alexis nicole uh nicole. Yeah. okay so you you talk I, you know knowing a little bit about you and your love for meat and um <laughs> <laughs> and foraging uh how does that find its way into mm -hmm. the art like how does that outside part because i mean you could definitely write and never mention the fact that you are into the meat and the foraging and and farming and and all of that but how does it tend to find its way into the work I, I think it's true that all of our obsessions are like the root of what it is that we do um whether you know whether that's an obsession with with uh, love with our past with our our cat whatever is uh, is going to is going to make its way there and i think um you know when i when i started really getting into food um and cooking uh you know maybe 15 years ago like and i was like this is something i'm going to invest my time and creative energy into um it was hard to not like have all this research and then it not popping up into something like to you know i remember watching like um, old Bourdain uh, videos when he was doing like chef's tour, like OG Bourdain and like watching the look on his face, like the first time he goes to the Japanese like fish market and like that moment of like just joy and wonder and everything being opened up. And like, I, you know, you're searching or always searching for that high, right? You're always searching for that next new thing that is like, that, that wows you, um, that surprises you. Um, and so I think um, like those sorts of moments of joy have to get brought into our work in some capacity. So yeah, um, I, like, you know, I, I spent uh, most of the spring hunting for morels. I found like 10, which is not very many morels. Um, these are what is very morel? special. They're a um, sp spring mushroom. They're usually the first mushroom that comes up. They're very tied to Appalachian identity um, in terms of they, they look like little 
brains almost. Um, and uh, they're, they're deeply valued for, for their culinary stuff. I think they're okay. I'm, that's a controversial thing to say in the mushroom world. I think they're okay. <laughs> so. There's a mushroom world and that's what... They're- <laughs> Wow. And so, yeah, so in preparation of the season, like I was like, this is the year I'm going to find a whole bunch. So I read a bunch about where they grow, why they grow there, all of the kind of stuff. And of course, like all of that language starts to, you know, seep into what it is that I, when I finally have time to create on a literary sense, of course, that's going to be there. Whether that's like, you know, like, oh, morels are also called woodfish definitely going to use that um oh okay yeah now so i'm going to just... talk about a woodfish the next right time I wanna, you know <laughs> next time i want to talk about mushrooms in my poems i'm going to say woodfish i like i think i've seen those though i think i think i've seen them um my 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 best friend owns about five acres um headed outside of oak ridge and we go and we hike out there and i'm pretty sure i've seen those brain looking mushrooms before okay you send me a text message with a picture next time and i'll tell you (laughs) well i can probably just ask her because she she used to be a park ranger so she definitely knows all of that stuff and i'll be like hey are there morel mushrooms on your property and if she says yeah i'll be like hey i got a friend who wants to hike she needs (laughs) (laughs) just approximately when it hits 60 degrees in early april i'm i'm all about that hiking so all right all right (laughs) You know, we, we, we down for it. That's so cool. <laughs> so, so those, those moments um, where life meets your literary, is that where we could say your spark happens or what sparks your creativity and makes you want to write? Yeah, I think that's, a. I mean, um, I think, yes, for, for me, it is, it is usually, um, it can be one of two things. It can be, you know, that moment where you're like something, whether it, where it's language or emotion or something that just feels like it has to get out of you, like your whole body is like itchy um, and it's like, got, you've got to write. There's those moments, obviously, you know, the, the kind of muse moments that people talk about. Um, but I think oftentimes, um, you know, I, I have a I have a very strong kind of kind of anti-muse iteration in that I, I think for me, um, it's so hard, especially as somebody who's who's busy all the time, like just and trying to find a headspace to write. And like, sometimes it's just like, I don't want to do that. I want to drink bourbon and I want to watch Game of Thrones or whatever. Like, I just want to not be around my computer or writing or thinking about writing. And that, so sometimes for me, it's a matter of like finding, just making space. Um, and one of the things that we started doing years ago with kind of a group of us um, locally that was like, we just were like, okay, we were doing workshops, but then we were finding like, we just were, we were running out of stuff to workshop because we were all just too damn busy to write. Um, and so we basically, sorry, can we curse on here? I don't even know. I'm like, <laughs> it just comes out of my mouth. You're good. You're good. Okay. Um, but we, uh, we decided to come together and we were just going to like, get, we decided we did this thing called what we call poetry CrossFit. And so we would meet up and we'd give each other a bunch of rules and we'd each go around the room and we'd give a rule. So it'd be like, has to include the state bird where you were born, has to be in couplets, has to have one question mark and only one question mark, has to have three rhyming words or whatever. Um, you know, and so we get all these rules 
I write them all down and then we, we would choose from those and then we'd have 30 minutes to write a poem and a lot. And so, and we would go back and forth with this so that we would kind of like generate, generate, generate. And the idea being is like, you're kind of creating clay, right? You know, you're doing this. And then when you have that time later, you don't just sit in front of a cursor. You have something to work with. You have, uh, you have that clay that you can then mold. And so for me, like so much of my writing has actually been kind of driven by that sort of writing. It's not like, you know, a moment moment of a flash and inspiration mm. uh partially just because i feel like i i either i'm not allowing myself that right. or i you know or i just don't i can't like the ways in which like my life exists is kind of like so fast that i need to have that time for creation and then a different time for forming right. um and so much of my writing over the last years has come from those sorts of exercises and during covid we moved it online as part of like uh safta's virtual programming and it's been super great like i've been like it used to just be it was like all my friends we were drinking miller light and like sitting on a porch and writing poems and now i'm like i get to hang out with people from all over the world and like write poems together and then i see them later and they're like published in places and it's super cool and i'm like i know that state bird um and <laughs> like so having that sort of element has been has been really cool in terms of like thinking about writing as a communal event which i think is something we think so much of writing is about solitariness and i know you with the work that you do is very much thinking about that kind of communal form of creation and i think like that's so important um and i think it's that myth of the muse um you know imply it is is can be very misogynistic in some ways, you know, that notion of like, you know, that you don't, you know, when do you have time when you're caring for children and working and doing, you know, keeping your house clean, doing, you know, all as Adrian Rich says, like all of those tasks that are constantly undone, like how do you make time for that sort of stuff? Just like waiting for the muse to sit there. Like you can't just like sit around and be like, all right, muse, what's up? <laughs> um, I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think it's also, I think there's something that's like, that's, uh, that is, that I think is really important in terms of thinking about like, just kind of being like, this is a time that I'm going to write. And if it's crap, it's crap. And like, let's do it together and share it and be excited um, about like the fact that we did something. So, yeah. 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 I, I, I've, I've just recently started coaching um, and, and, and helping other artists. And that's one of the things that I always say at the beginning of a session is today, give yourself grace to write something you don't like. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't always have to be perfect. So uh, I think that's pretty awesome. I've been to uh, a couple of poetry CrossFits and they were the beginning of some, some of my newest and uh, greatest poems. So <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> All right. Uh, so do you have anything that you would want to share with us today? Like any new points? Oh, yeah, sure. You want a mushroom bowl? I do want a mushroom bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me see what I got here. Um, let's see. Let's do... Okay, so um, so I'll give you a little preface for this poem. Um, this is a so in um, in Eastern Europe, there's actually it's tight. I can't. Okay, I li I lied a little in the poem. The poem says Poland, but it's really Russia. Um, Poland just helped for my process in this variation. But in Russian, there's actually I don't know how to pronounce the word because um, I'm I'm terrible at Cyrillic. But it is um, it's basically a word that translates to mushroom rain. And mushroom rain is like a a day where it's a long slow 
still kind of wet rain, but not like too heavy. It's not stormy. It's just like, you know, that day that you want to lay on your couch and like read all day um, and like, you know, never get out of your pajamas. Um, And so that sort of rain is like the best to draw mushrooms up. So like the day after that kind of rain is when you want to go hunting. Um, And so uh, so this poem is is called Mushroom Rain. Okay. Um, You tell me in Poland, they call this mushroom rain, the hot wet of June when the chanterelles, boletes spring up fleshy as sex in the oval leafed wood. I split a milk cap with my thumbnail and it coats my hand in fishy latex. A smell that makes me think of the marshes I grew up in, the salt rot of brackish Carolina, where the story of my life could have been anything. Blue crabs roping up a bucket, a squabble of gull, the sinewy seaweed that scares up the foot. Instead, I am alone in the loamy wood, missing the way your hand, tawny as deer shield, would clasp my arm on the ATV as we blurred up the hill to where the black trumpets sprout from mossy oak. There is nothing I want as much as you, but today in this holler with its woodier and meaty bark, I gather what I love to me and hope at least for tomorrow to rain. Wow, that was so sensual. <laughs> I I I love listening to you read poetry. It's almost like you make everything sound so sexy. Um, That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Um so so then the question is, I I know my answer, um but do you feel as though your poetry is better heard? or read or does it even matter i think i mean i think all poetry is meant to be read um but i think poetry has you know ha, you know has two often has two lives um you know the one you hear on the stage and the one you read on the page and i think mm. um depending on what you what you want from it it can do different things. Um, so like for me, like I can, I can accentuate line breaks a little bit, but like really on the page, you're taking that break at a certain time. So you add that extra contextualness. So like, you know, where you break that line is where you're adding that emphasis, but you don't necessarily read those poems the same way. So the way that you're going to hear those sounds, which might feel and sound a little bit more sensual, like aloud are not necessarily going to look that way on the page. Mm-hmm. So I like the fact that I, I like there's a duality of life in poems like I love doing readings because I get to give it a different life than like what people have seen on the page and I love going to readings because I'm like I fucking love this book and then I read or I hear somebody read it and I'm like I love it more and like it's all these different sort because it's like a new way of reading and a new way of thinking about the poems um and I mean I also love poems that are you know explicitly meant to be read aloud and I have some that like never is in a book I mean there's I love that there's this kind of there's I'm, gonna, I'm really dating myself with all the AOL references and whatnot but um there's there's this great line on this Tori Amos album where she like her live album where she's talking about the song that she's about to play and she talks about how she keeps trying to put it on an album and then she was like and then I realized the song just wanted to be played live so I play her live and I like that idea of like some poems just don't want to be on the page some poems yeah. just want to be That's read good. and I think yeah that's really good. And that's that's really something that I needed to take in because I'm always like, oh, man, like, I just don't feel like I want to put this poem in a book, you know? Um, so 
that that helps that helps thank you so I told you the nuggets. Adultory Amos. The nuggets. <laughs> they always come out in these conversations. Um, you know, for aspiring writers and aspiring poets, what's your advice? Find community. Mm. You need support. You can't being a writer alone in the world is is a is a lonely, lonely space. And and you want to you want to give what you give, you get back. Um, and, and like, I think so often when people ask me like, you know, how do I sell a book? How do I like, how do I promote stuff? And I'm like, go back in time, have <laughs> work in your community, um, and give back to people. Um, because those are the people who are going to want to, to share in your successes. Right. Um, you know, I think that notion of like competitiveness within the arts, I don't, I don't find that in poetry. I'm sure it exists, but I've, I've never run across it. I think like everybody is just, you know, just joyous for one another and in our successes and there for each other and our failures. And I think like, that's where, um, you know, you need that support because, you know, it's, it's, it's what we do is for ourselves, but also to, to share our experiences, to be seen, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we write so that we can show ourselves to others. And if we don't have others to show it to, how can, you know, it, it's an incomplete process. Similarly, if you're not seeing other people, how do you become a more well-rounded person, uh, a person more of the world. And I think being able to be in that community with people to share ourselves with one another in this way is, is you know, the, the most important part of the process. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think back to the times where I felt really, really alone as a writer, I was not excited about writing. But once I found my tribe, you know, I always say I found my people, now I'm constantly thinking of ways where how do I get back together with them? How do we write together on a more regular basis? Because that community is what drives you to want to continue doing this and that connection. Um, you know, I find so much connection through the arts and through poetry. So, um, yeah, I found my tribe and found my people. And I think that's the reason I know it's so important to find your people is because I tell people all the time, poetry saved my life. So absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. So uh, tell us, what do you have in the works? What's coming up? How can the listeners uh, connect with you and vibe out with you? I know you do a ton of online workshops and all kinds of stuff. So go. Oh, ah, okay. So um, I have a new chat book coming out in the spring uh, from Milk and Cake Press. It's called Ghost Animal. Um, and that should be out in March. So keep an eye on the interwebs. Uh, you can find out more about the work that we do with Sundress Publications at sundresspublications.com and the Sundress Academy for the Arts. Um, we are currently uh, taking accept, uh, we are, we're year round accepting uh, residency applications for our writer's residency here in Knoxville. We've got a farm. Uh, with sheep and chickens and ducks and there's hiking and mushroom foraging if you want to come out and hang out <laughs> i promise not to kill you um with uh with bad mushrooms uh and um but yeah it's a uh that's always my first question everybody's like well, are you afraid of dying i'm like well i mean yes in theory um but yeah so we do uh you can also follow us um on 
uh, Facebook or Instagram at Sundress Publications or on Twitter at Sundress Pub. Um, and that will keep you abreast of all of our uh, virtual events, all of our poetry CrossFits if you want to come out, um, as well as our reading series events that are back in person here in Knoxville starting at the end of August. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if you also are going to be a student at the University of Tennessee, it is wonderful for you to take a class with Miss Erin Elizabeth Smith because she's an amazing teacher as well. And you will enjoy it and uh, help yourself go to a whole nother level. Whole thank nother you. level. Um, so I want uh, I want to thank you, Erin, for, for hanging out with me and sharing your wisdom and your inspiration. You are always an inspiration to me. And uh, like I said, I want to be like you when I grow up. Ray, you're the best. I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> that makes me feel good. Well, I will see you all next time on the next episode of Beyond the Spark. Until then, keep writing and keep inspiring everyone with your words. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Beyond the Spark podcast. Remember to follow Raya Sunshine Poetry on social media and please subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified when another episode is dropped. Again, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time when we go Beyond the Spark.